on the Holden Hoover Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Mike. We're two hardworking dads trying to immerse ourselves into the Star Wars and fit it into our very busy lives. And if this is your first time listening and or watching, in this sometimes short form Star Wars podcast, we'll share our thoughts on different topics from a galaxy far, far away. Does anybody know why Skeen is so untrusting of Cassian? Well, it's because Cassian's a rogue one. Uh, rogue one. Uh-huh. Oh. Nailed it. <laughs> and yes, for those at home keeping track, that is our second joke from the Andor uh, series, <laughs> uh, making a play on the Rogue One words. So, uh, Andor's no joking matter. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, for, yeah. So, yeah, this week, episode 25 of the Hold of Maneuver, uh, we have a returning guest in Adam Daniel, who you remember Hello. from our Obi-Wan Welcome, Adam. Kenobi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And then Mr. Trent Vactor is back as well. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about the fifth episode of the Andor series called uh, The Axe Forgets. But before we speak on that, we're going to do our I'm Your Father segment. So with that, I will let Adam take it away with his story time. I'll just tell a really quick story. I have uh, a few animals. Children are not my forte. Um, I have two cats and a dog. Uh, I don't know if this is like a funny story or just kind of like a feel bad for my cat story, but my oldest cat, Bruce, uh, has no teeth. Uh, he had them all removed. Uh, and then I had to put him on a wet diet for a few weeks. And then I was like, I, I, you spend so much money on dry cat food that you don't want to like just throw it it away. So I was grinding it for a really long time. And then one day I spilled it, um, I was grinding it because I didn't think he could eat it. He had it like the vets, like make sure he can eat the food. Like it's not bigger than his nose. So I was like, I'll just grind it and like, make sure they can eat it. I spilled the cat food. And then I see the little guy with no teeth on the floor, just eating it all up. And I'm like, I've been grinding this for like a month and a half and he could have eaten the whole time without any issue. Um, But that's, that's Bruce, the toothless cat. It's pretty cool. He's like, I can do it about my son. (laughs) You wound up me. My parents had a cat with one tooth. Whoa. <laughs> Just oh, wow. one. Just one. <laughs> what was the point of one tooth? Hey, they didn't get pulled. He just lost them in fights. Oh, wow. Oh. I think I remember that rough, cat. <laughs> Homie? Yeah, yeah. Was yep. what my mom named him? Yeah, I remember that cat. I was going to say, bonus points if you He was like 30 time. pounds and picked fights <laughs> with everything. Dang. <laughs> it was a masterful cat, 30 pounds. Oh, yeah, he was big and slow, so I don't know why he tried to fight everything. (laughs) (laughs) This week I was thinking about Monsters Incorporated a lot because in that movie, if you're not familiar, the monster world is powered by children's screams. And by the (laughs) end of the movie, they find that children's laughter is a much more powerful source of energy. And I now know that those writers and director and everyone involved in that movie was correct. They are all parents because I have witnessed my son both scream in my ear and also laugh in my ear. And both of them are equally powerful. But the sound of his laugh really just kind of brings joy to me. It just makes me feel good when he is laughing. It It makes me start laughing whenever I see him laughing at something. And he just would just randomly start laughing sometimes. I'd just be walking down the street, <laughs> and I'll just start laughing. So I think my story this week has got to be that 
I have discovered the power of children's laughter. It makes you happy. So I'm always trying to make my son laugh. Has he been getting into your, your special uh, gummy bears factor? Uh, not. Actually, it depends on <laughs> the location because he gets into everything. No matter what it is, if it's his height, he's going to get into it. It doesn't matter what it is. So we got to raise everything off the floor and off. Oh, the they floor. start climbing. Yeah, I actually started doing that too. So I'm gonna have to figure out a way to stick it to the ceiling until he becomes Spider-Man and starts sticking on the ceiling. Yeah. My daughter was almost on top of the fridge tonight. Oh dang! Oh man! Yeah. Adam's just in his head, like I've made a wise decision. Oh <laughs> yes! Every time I see children, I think that actually. <laughs> He's powered by the screams. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, my niece. My niece is a very. Uh, she's five, and she's a. She could be a handful. I, I left, uh, I was just back east for my sister's wedding, and she, uh, I left with scratches and bite marks. Oh, man. <laughs> so she's, that'll happen. Yeah. Speaking of that, Mike. Uh, yeah, I just, your... like I mentioned, my daughter was almost on top of the fridge tonight because she wanted a banana, and I thought if I put them up there, she can't get them because she's eating four bananas today, and I'm done with the bananas. You need to eat something else. <laughs> just practicing patience. Like I was losing my cool. Like it's, I've yelled at her and then I feel awful for yelling at a three-year-old. <laughs> so it's just, you gotta be more Zen. Yeah. Come up with better ways, but not let the frustration boil over. I had to really practice that tonight because she was pushing all the buttons. Yeah. You were thinking uh, on what uh, Yoda said, where he's like, patience, you must learn. Well, it's funny because speaking of that, I thought of this too. Was because she learned the word hate oh, at school. She doesn't know what it means. Someone oh. else there is just saying it, and because she go, his mom's a teacher, so he's just making her upset by saying, "I hate this, I hate that," just to make her mad. So then my daughter comes home and is like, "I hate you, I hate that, I hate <laughs> mom." I, I was like, "You don't know what that means." Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Or oh, she boy. does, and you and you're gonna have to go to therapy. Huh? Oh. I told her that wasn't very nice to say, and she says she smashed me. So. <laughs> Dang. She might know, <laughs> oh, but again, man. that was just something she picked up at school. Because Mike's the, daughter the, is She-Hulk. We learned that today. Yeah, it could be. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then with my story, my son is uh, much, much older than. Uh, mm-hmm. young uh, Padawan Vector and young Padawan Soren. Uh, he is almost 17 now at this point, and he just went on a camping trip this past weekend with his friends uh, for like three days, like about two hours away. So I spent those three days worrying the entire time <laughs> and being stressed out. Did they bring special gummy bears? <laughs> if If he did, I don't know. <laughs> but but I mean he came back alive he also brought his uh, Chinese made Japanese katana sword that he got off Amazon up there with him <laughs> he was prepared <laughs> yeah so where did uh, they go camping like he's bringing a sword because he's 16 he thinks they went he's, camping he's probably is... they're like you know swinging it around doing some lightsaber training and also swinging a sword around, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, which I asked, sword did I? I asked him what he did when he was up there. He's like, just 
sat around in the forest. I was like, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> but I want to know when camping became like the uptick of what kids do. Because my brother is six years younger than me, went camping all the time. And as kids, my parents took us camping twice, and it was so miserable. We never went camping again. Oh, wow. So I was like, what, when did camping become something you like to do? <laughs> At like what age? Because I never liked it. I'm a city kid. I've never. I've never oh. liked it either. I mean, my brother has been doing it since he was 13, and he's just turned 30. So, Nah. It's for the birds. <laughs> Agreed. My wife's yeah. on me to go camping. I'm like, we can bring a RV, right? She's like, that's not camping. And we're not going. <laughs> It is now. There's plenty of places. It's like called glamping. That's what I'll yes. do. I'll yeah. do that. Yes. You give me some AC in the in the yep. in the desert. I'm good to go. Yeah, let's do it. Last time I stay I there all week. Last time I did that, I think it was like 2015 when we went to the Grand Canyon for the first time. We we rented like an RV for that weekend, but that was pretty cool. It was pretty cold up there though, so I guess can. Oh yeah, to... one time I went to the Grand Canyon. It was freezing at night. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like it definitely gets cold there. Yeah. It's like <laughs> not dressed yeah. appropriately. It's fun. I like the Grand Canyon though. I've I've been there a few times. I've enjoyed it every time. It's pretty cool. Just just like a uh, uh, Clark Griswold would say, he's like, "Yep, all right, let's go." What? <laughs> <laughs> oh to, man! The segue from our stories into our main speaking of camping. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about these guys that were camping out on the side of a mountain. Uh, this week, we're talking about Eldani. the fifth episode of Andor, which is called The Axe Forgets. Uh, and I guess just to start this off, first impressions of this episode kind of do like a, like a round robin that I'll start with. I'll go with Adam, then Vactor, then Mike, and then me. Uh I thought this was a good, I, I, I think, what is there, like 18 episodes or something this first season? There's like a ton of episodes. This is a good um, like transition. Into, there's 12. Oh, so we're like almost halfway through at this point. I thought there were 18. I don't know why. Uh, maybe that's a different season or something. Uh, <laughs> but to, to get uh, where they are now, I think they did, I think the character's, are you're starting to see like who the other characters are. I think we kind of know mm -hmm. who we know who Cassian is already. Um, but you, you're seeing like the distrust and the having to get over it, like getting the like, getting over it for the mission. Um, and I like how I, I like, I like how they had have the bad guys, like the, the Imperial side in this. I like what they're doing. It's very, it's a very stark difference. Uh, not that there isn't always a stark difference, but I mean, there's a stark difference between good and evil. And it, I've, and mm -hmm. I've, I've liked the, uh, like the political aspects of it too. Um, if you want to dive like deep dive into it, there's a lot of like political things that are kind of like aligning. But I think Star Wars is always kind of political uh, in a way. Um, but I, I do, I do like that they are. Uh, if you if you've listened to this before this podcast when I was on it I'm terrible with character names uh, I can barely remember them I'm always kind of just floating around in the world of characters uh, in Star <laughs> Wars so I can never remember anybody's names uh, but I do I do enjoy the way they're forcing them all to become a team because sometimes 
Um, there's, there's a lot of animosity, obviously, between everybody because he's just being brought on. Cassie is just being brought on uh, at the last minute. So they've been preparing and now they have to like deal with this new wedge. Um, and I, I like that they don't trust them and I like that they're showing that um, instead of like skirting around it and having us have to think about it um, so they can give us an idea of like where it's headed. Uh, and I, I like the way uh, it, I like where it's heading. I'm, I'm enjoying uh, this episode was really good. I really enjoyed the way they built out some of the, the characters, um, including like that nerdy, the nerdy one uh, that is like writing a manifesto. Um, oh. but just like everything that they're doing is just, I, I just, I'm really enjoying it so far. Uh, but that's all I'll, I'll leave it at that. So someone else can talk about it <laughs> two hours. Cause I probably could. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. This one I've noticed now, now that we've had our second, second episode, the first three, and then now this one, it's like they're going in trilogies of episodes. So now that we've had two I'm starting to see this pattern emerging. And I was telling uh, Vibrit this off mic. I think these first two episodes are always going to be like these setups. And the third one is going to be the payoff. There's all um, each, each one so far, it seems like we got the setup, the setup, and then the payoff. So this next episode, I think is going to be very interesting. Um, this one being a middle episode in this three it was just a lot of character development, a lot of just kind of setting up the stakes of, of what's going to happen. So it wasn't a flashy episode, but it was a solid episode. So I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I did enjoy all the buildup. And and just like, uh, like Adam was saying, just the stark differences of this show versus everything else we've gotten in Star Wars before this, it's a welcome change of pace where it's not like Obi-Wan. It's not like Clone Wars. It's not like all these other things. And that's a good thing. It's I, I don't think we have to have every show be the same in Star Wars. So I think this was just another solid episode. I agree with both of you. Uh, I'm also terrible with the names, so I tend to like watch it with the uh, subtitles on so I can write the yes, names down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but especially when you have I, like weird names, it's not like, all right, this is Billy Bob. This is Johnny Sue. And yeah. you know, it's Cyril and Luthen and Clem and Skeen. Like I'm <laughs> the same way. Like if I was just reading this as a novel, I couldn't keep up. I have to have their faces. I have to have the right. subtitles on just to, to put two and two together. Oh, yeah, that's kind of like the same things like game of Thrones or some of that other. Yes. A hundred percent. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I love that it is different. And I know that a lot of people hate the fact that it's so different. Yes. It's like they get they want this safe blanket of Star Wars, but yeah. they don't understand. Like for me, it's like this is so much better, and it makes it that much better because it can be that different. Yes, um, I agree that like the character character development was great. I love the fact that Cyril was eating like cocoa puffs. That oh, just yeah. made me like the realism. <laughs> that I was like, I can connect with that. Like that was my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> The distrust, and I love the, the, how the ending where Cassian's like, I'm being cards on the table. I've been paid. Why are you afraid? Like, back out now or shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. But then the Empire side of it, how they need everything clean and proper and, like, the organization, they like, go into Ferrex and, like, clean it up. We're going to take this building over. Like, I don't care what you look like. Like, do what I say. 
Then the other side of it where she's like still doing her fastidious, like I'm going to win this battle against this guy to prove him wrong. Like the infighting there, just the infighting everywhere. No. Overall, like a saying, I said, Vector said solid episode. Um, it definitely was one of the better ones for the series so far. The first three were good. The, and then the fourth one was just like, okay, we're setting something else up here. But this one just had such a solid base to it. It was just everything solid. And it just made it like, okay, I'm ready to go forward. Mm-hmm. It had a good pace. It like ended in a good spot. There was no like awkwardness in the ending like we've had in the past four episodes. I felt definitely a good one. Looking forward to that more. Yeah. To like piggyback all of, off of like all of, like what all of you have said, um, like I would agree with like I, I really enjoyed all the character development stuff that we got in this episode, like really building out a lot of like these secondary characters that we didn't know all that much about. I mean, for like when we got introduced to them, you know, in that fourth episode, um, which I think is going to make it even tougher when like I'm assuming either a few of them die, most of them die, or all of them but Cassie and die, <laughs> like, in the next episode. I'm thinking there's going to be a double cross from one of them. Yeah, that could happen, too. And, like, just I getting, get this feeling. Yeah, like, yeah, just because of getting the development, too, I feel like that'll make it even, like, it'll, like, ratchet up the drama of that happening because of that. So I feel like that should be interesting. I like how, like, in these past episodes, it's like, you get, you get one shot of a TIE fighter flying by really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> That I I like. There was that. two in this one. Yeah, I liked that whole scene. And then though. that mystery ship that landed. Oh yeah, but I liked that whole scene though, where like the tie fighter like came over them in the field, and they had to cover up the guns really quickly. I thought that was shot really uh, cool. He mavericked them. Yeah, tie <laughs> fighter mavericked them. That's <laughs> so I saw that. I saw was someone like an ode to to the movie. Yeah, I saw someone say that. That's basically what they. I think the movie's shelved more or less right now, but like that's like at this point, like how they should do that Rogue Squadron movie is basically just make it a Top Gun movie. Although if you think about it, Maverick is Top essentially just is just Star Wars. Their their mission in that is essentially to shoot something into a like a small area oh, yeah. of a, like a military <laughs> base that should be an impossible shot, and then get the heck out of there. That's yeah, it's two two mir- they need two miracles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh yeah, and then beyond that, uh, I I think my theory with Cyril may come to it, like where he could turn to being like like a rebel possibly. But I, I guess it's depends on who gets to him first, whether like say like say like like Mon Motha, Mothma would get to him, possibly, or uh, if any of like the Imperial officers get to him, that would like either embolden him to, you know, just like go deeper into that kind of headspace he already was kind of in those first three episodes or, but I feel like he could also depends on who this uncle Harlow is. Yeah. I feel like yeah. he get it is the switch could get flipped either way with him. That's what kind of character he seems like right now. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the uncle is going to be, uh, uh, on the dark side, like an imperial, just the way because the mom, the mom is so overbearing. Like you haven't seen your son in forever, and the first thing she did was slap him. Yeah. It's very <laughs> like as a Jewish as a Jewish kid. It's very like it feels very much like my my mom wouldn't <laughs> slap me or anything like that, but like she would make sure I'm eating and make sure that I took uh, advantage of any sort of um, help 
that someone was willing to give me, especially a family mm-hmm. member. You know, I felt I felt very much like a Jewish mom uh, and and her son. <laughs> yeah, and as a Jewish kid, I feel like it's okay to say that. Like that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about their relationship. But she's so overbearing. Like, mom, I get it. Okay, I don't have any prospects. Leave me alone. <laughs> right. Yeah, like that whole scene was. I kind of got like that feeling. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, just saying like the whole scene was kind of interesting. Um, and I, what I, yeah, I got, was, sorry, <laughs> what I, I thought was funny too was uh, that since you know uh, uh, Cassian's mom is Aunt Petunia from Harry Potter, that Cyril's uh, <laughs> mom is the next door squib that lived next to Harry and Petunia in the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> I like the like the Harry Potterness of the the Star Wars world now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everything's in intertwined. Make them all melt. I got together. the same sense that Adam had of the Jewish mother. Like I wasn't raised Jewish, but I've seen it. Like like I'm pretty sure we were supposed to be Jewish, and because of the Holocaust, we changed from being Jewish in my family. Oh wow! So because they got immigrated over around that time, but jeez. So I. That we had that style in our family, but it was like, oh, we're not Jewish. Like, not to go down a bad road there. But I also got like a moth- mafia Godfather vibe from it. Like, right. oh, Uncle yeah, Harlow, yeah. like, <laughs> is going to do this for you. Right. I got that sense too. I also love that they kind of had 80s synth vibe music to start with. I was like, holy shit, this is Blade Runner now. <laughs> Just. I think that they are doing, uh, I, th- I mean, a lot of shows I think are doing this now too, or bringing in other like fantasy worlds into their storylines just cause I think a lot of shows are starting to figure out like their little like niche as to what works for them and what'll bring fans over to, even if mm-hmm. like you don't like Harry Potter or you don't like or whatever, it'll these other shows are introducing them to people that may not necessarily like them. Um, and I like that star Wars isn't, I feel like star Wars isn't afraid to do anything anymore and they shouldn't be. Um, Cause a lot of it, a lot, like we said, a lot of it is, can be cookie cutter with the star Wars mm-hmm. stories. They can stay within it. And I think that all kind of like I, 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 Ryan Johnson's, uh, changed a lot. He took so many chances in that movie, and I think it gave other writers and prospective Star Wars uh, directors and, and actors a different avenue to go down as opposed to like the mm-hmm. cookie-cutter stuff that we always saw. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of what this show does a little bit too. It's just like, it takes a lot of chances. Yeah. And you can take a lot of chances when it's an unknown character. Um, right. Like, we know Cassian, obviously, from Rogue, but to get his backstory, there's so many, it's, it's limitless. It's limitless. Mm-hmm. He, you can build off of the little Easter eggs from his character in rogue and put them in here and then mm-hmm. show you. Cause he says a couple of times, you don't know what I've been through. Like in rogue, he talks about like, you don't know what I've been through to get here, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm sure it, we're going to see a lot of death <laughs> coming up. In, in <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, just cause we know, we we always have like the good guy or the 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 protagonist is always put in these situations where they're stressful and they're put in uh in in dire situations but knowing that Cassian obviously survives you have to 
pull in and give us what they gave us in this episode is like build those characters to get us to like other people. So mm-hmm. we are like, no, no, please don't kill this person. And then they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you have, or please kill that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Either way it could. Yeah, absolutely. Either way. Uh, uh, go that way. But that's what I, that's why I like this episode so much because you made me start to feel for the other people and, and their mm-hmm. plight to get to where they are. Uh, in this story and where their place is in this story. Yeah, um, not all about the Skywalkers. Exactly. And that's what people just, I feel like some, there are just Star Wars fans. Just, just That's all they want. They want to over consume the, uh, the, the Skywalker saga. Um, and I'm glad that we are. I, I mean, as much as I, obviously I love the Skywalker saga, but I'm glad that we are in a place where we're moving forward and we're getting something completely different outside of that world. Yeah. yeah, hopefully Taika's project that he has coming up is something that's kind of fresh and new and not tied to the same stuff that we've seen <laughs> over and over again. Has he seen them, though? Because he did ask Natalie Portman to be in his movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I mean, he. I mean, maybe it's better that he doesn't. Mm. Or if he hasn't, if he, if he has, then he has. Right. I'd be surprised just because I feel like he seems like the type of person that would want to consume as much as possible. Right. Um, and I feel like he learns from other people as most directors, I feel like try to anyway, mm-hmm. especially writer directors. Cause he's, there's only like a few of them out there right now that are at the top of their game. A few of them out there right now. Yeah. Uh, writer directors. Um, but I, I, if he, if he hasn't, maybe that's a good thing. Like, and I do like part of that, like with uh, like what Tony Gilroy had said to his writers for and or with like not being like so precious of like mm-hmm. the lore and everything. But even with that, you can see even or like read in different interviews that he's done where like he still like knows his like stuff about it. Um, like where right. like like when Mon Mothma like left like the Senate, like what, like year BBY that was like, I remember like I read that the other day, like an interview, they're just like, well, no, she actually left the Senate in such and such a year to do such and such a thing. So I thought that was cool that like, even though he's like having his writers not be like, be like, Oh, make sure you throw a lightsaber in here and something over here. And Mm. you see Yoda walk through the background over there um, that it's, it still feels like Star Wars and it, but it doesn't have to feel like Star Wars just because you're seeing like 50 different things that you've seen before in like earlier films or TV series. Mm-hmm. And like that stuff works when it works too. Like when it's like done really well, like I think Dave Floney is very good at Maverick. Just <laughs> Maverick was all nostalgia, like thrown into a movie again and it made a billion dollars. Yeah. that movie. Yeah. Like- it was a good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it's essentially a remake. It was all movie, like, but a, a better yeah. version of the first movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, like with Dave Floney's good at doing this with like the stories that he writes where he like is able to kind of next level past stuff that's already happened, but not, but then make it important to that story here. So that's kind of like what's going on here too, that I think is cool is, but it's like in retrospect, because this is a prequel to a different prequel <laughs> that we already saw. So it's interesting to get that character building with Cassian in this. And like, Would you re- go ahead. I was going to say, is Rogue One really a prequel, though? Well, I mean, 
it's technically a prequel. It's kind of like a tangent. Four, five, six, seven, eight. I think that's that's debatable whether yeah. it's uh, could be classified. It's interesting. I never considered it that until this mm-hmm. moment. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I but, th- I always th- I actually always thought of it as like a standalone almost. Yeah, like like a right. little bit. I never thought of it as a pre or anything. Right. It was just like a uh, a story that they wanted to tell. I, I mean, I. I I love Rogue One. I just rewatched it today too. Uh, I felt <laughs> uh, not because it's boring, just because I I'm so tired all the time. Yeah, uh, I work too hard. Or, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know if it's classified as anything but a standalone, really. Uh, but it can absolutely be considered a a prequel for sure. If you want to, never thought I of think that. If there was moments. no like episodes right. one, two, and three, I think then it would be a prequel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I guess like even if you took off like the like the Vader scene with Leia at the end of the movie, and like the movie just ends. Spoiler alert: people that have seen Rogue One, I guess. Um, <laughs> where if like the movie just like ended with with Cassian and Jin, you know, getting blown up on Sakaar, watching the explosion come towards them, then yeah, like that that definitely would make it super super self contained. Uh, but, but speaking about like, you know, like kind of like these tangential, like Star Wars stories that they did, there was a, a thing within this episode too, with the, one of the ISB characters hurt, I think her name was, uh, where, where like, she keeps finding like all these like clues that show like these different the tangents rebellion. of like the rebellion, like around on uh, one of the like patterns that she know, noticed was like stolen items. And she like named off a bunch of different places. And one of them was Kessel. And I believe mm-hmm. this movie takes place a few years after like the events of the solo, a star Wars story movie. So that might be in reference to like all the, like the coaxium stuff that they, that Han mm-hmm. and Chewie stole during that film. Like not knowing that it's not, it wasn't like, you know, stolen for like, like th- these rebel tangents and whatnot. Uh, but and then they had that mention of Jakku too, so that's kind of interesting. They're starting to work like some of like the sequel trilogy stuff a little bit more into like these stories too. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I guess like where like this kind of side story that they're showing with these characters in the ISB is going because I feel like that's going to pay off somehow at some point, like where maybe she mm-hmm. connects something and that's how like Luthen is like found out with that or something along those lines, or it gets to the point where like, like with the like massacre of the Gamorans where Mon Mon Moth might have to leave the Senate. If like, if like somehow like all of these like interceding and interweaving stories from that are going to come to a head because of like this different stuff going on in different places like that. It feels like that might be like where like the twelfth episode, I guess, of like this this first season might end up with something like with a resolve to that. It's like an MCU theory almost. <laughs> it's like everything is all connected in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I would I I would definitely uh, think that that could be a possibility that they all are leading to one because they they talk about how. Um, everything is being done like the Imperial, the, in that woman's office, when they're talking about how she's like, I should just give up. 
but yeah, she said dead drone like, whatever her name is yeah and then but they're talking about how like these are all random acts for a reason they're just they to make them seem random right so too that random to be along with that theory for sure because why not i mean i mean what is supposed to be like five years before rogue is set this series so yeah that makes absolute sense that it could be that way for sure um that that is all part of one big heist (laughs) (laughs) yeah see the problem with any prequel storytelling is because we know what happens in the future how is it an interesting story to get to that point and with that one specifically it's like i feel like it can only go two ways either okay she unravels the plot she figures out there's a rebellion and then what like there's no payoff to that or she doesn't like she starts to like we see her piecing it together but then ultimately it's like oh yeah there's no rebellion so it's like and that doesn't seem like that would be an interesting story either so they have their work cut out for them of how do they make this interesting if we already know the rebellion is not found out by the time of episode four. Like there's the, the, the empire is not like, Oh yeah, we saw them coming or I, I just want to see where they, how they get to that point. Right. That, that when mm-hmm. we came into the story, what is the interesting story that, t- that gets us to that point? But that's just kind of like any prequel, even with episodes one, two, and three, it was like, all right, we already know he becomes Vader. So is it an interesting story how Anakin turns into Vader? And that's debatable whether you think it is or not. But I think you just you're starting at a disadvantage with a prequel. To me, they have to work extra hard versus a story that we don't know the ending. And it, it's it can come more as a surprise to us. Yeah, and absolutely. That's why I'd like to see a breakdown of Cassian screen time versus everyone else. Because we know Cassian's story, and I think they're putting in the overtime on everyone else right. to get it to catch up to his story time. Right. Which I've found all of these guys interesting so far. Every character that we've met has been um, great. But yeah, what is Cassian's story specifically of how did he, how he got to where he is in Rogue, where he's like, you know, I've done terrible things. And mm-hmm. um, I want to see how. Maybe he's the one who double crosses him. Yeah, maybe. I want to see how the K2SO uh, relationship starts. So we'll see that probably in season two, though. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Like, like with what you were saying with that, too, like what they have, like their work cut against them is that at least within this series, the only kind of three characters that we kind of know, like where they end up are Cassian, Saw and Mon Mothma. Other than that, anything could happen to any of these other characters that we're, we're meeting yeah. during the course of the show. So, but the, but the argument there against that is, well, if we don't know about them, they weren't important enough yeah. to know about. Right. right. So that's, again, it's just, they're at a disadvantage, not saying that they can't, but it's almost like they're in a corner and they have to write themselves out of the corner of, okay, we're introducing all these new characters. Here's why they're important. Here's why they're special, because you never knew about them before. But that's the same thing like with what you said about Jakku, with um, Hosni and Prime. Like these, these are places that we found out later existed, but at the time the originals were created, they were never mentioned. Well, why, why is that? Like 
the 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 places that you go or the the worlds that we are going to encounter later having that foresight or having that knowledge in advance it's just kind of an interesting challenge for for any type of prequel like i said so i want to see where they go with this so far i haven't been disappointed or or let down but i want to see where they uh or if they can stick the landing on this show yeah i think the the best example of like a character like that from like all of what you said factor was is definitely ahsoka uh for like how fleshed out she's become and like this is even though you didn't know she existed this is why she's super important and this is why you should care about her so that's that's one thing that i think that they at least within like the star wars universe they are good at building out characters like that uh the one thing i wanted i definitely wanted to bring up before i forgot about that happened in this episode that i that like kind of i was like if what happened to me in real life that would kind of like <laughs> upset me would have been the whole thing with uh like mon mothma and her husband and her her daughter in that scene mm-hmm. i was like what is going on that's why I, I have a note on that is like is mon mothma just does she have the family for political gains like is it just like I, this is what i have to do to get votes. Yeah. Like, yeah. maybe we shouldn't be on parents of D bag train so hard. Cause maybe he was led to believe something else. Huh. And cause the daughter's basically like, what do you care? Like, you don't have to do this. It's all for show anyway. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, her backstory is very interesting to me of, she's got all these plates spinning and, you know, yeah. double undercover agent and, I, I want to see what they tell with her story because we've known about Mon, Mon Mothma for years, but it's always like being told she was important, but never shown why she was important, why she's mm. a cool character. Um, so this, I think this show is going to do that. I think she's going to end up by the end of this being one of the best parts of this show so far, just the way they've started out with it. Yeah. So Yeah. I, I agree. I think that she has a bigger part to play and we'll see it coming in these last six or seven episodes. Yeah. Uh, to see what, cause I mean, I, like you said, she, she, we've known about her for years. Um, but it, it's, and now seeing her and get it and getting to know her just a little bit, I'm really excited to see, uh, why she is so important for sure. And yeah. I, I'm hoping that we get that story and I think that we will. And it, it, in the very least, probably in the next few episodes, uh, even before, I think she's going to play a pivotal part in, in the, in the end. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and that's definitely something really exciting to, to see, uh, um, put on screen for sure. And I think it's great that we've got Genevieve O'Reilly, the actress to play her in multiple things. Uh, we've had some, you know, stability with that actor of the same person playing over and over mm-hmm. and again. But she's done a great job so far. Yeah, big fan of what she's doing so far on the show. Uh, and I guess, be- be- like, kind of as we start to, like, wrap up uh, this episode, as we start to lead out, was there, like, any other, uh, like, scenes that we haven't talked about yet or things that kind of stood out overall within this episode that, that you wanted to bring up uh, just before we start to close out? Um, Mike or back? For, yeah, they hired Cassian to be the pilot. And it just made me think, anyone who's a pilot in Star Wars just knows how to fly everything. Knows everything about everything. I was like, why is that? Like, 
is that how you become a pilot? You have to learn everything. Like I, I would he, do, this though. obscure freaking ship. Where's the scale? Oh, it's a custom job. That's why it's not in the manual. How would he know that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very smart. They're all very clever. All <laughs> pilots. Like I, I actually never thought about that. <laughs> like, yeah, they all can just fly whatever. Like, is flying that easy once you know how to fly? Like, is it just like a different, a different um, mechanism here and there? I guess the droids do most of it. That's true. They they have a lot of the droids. I mean, aren't droids more like the uh, the 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 buddy driver? (laughs) They're they're like (laughs) they're the navigator almost. And uh, well, they are navigators um, when it comes to that stuff. But yeah, it is. It is interesting. I never ever thought about like, oh, they just jump. I'm just like, because I'm just along for the fantasy. I yeah. never think about like the practical side of it. I'm just like, yeah. Because they had that whole flying. long diatribe between everyone, and he's like, you don't know how to fly this. And I'm like, how do you know how to fly it? <laughs> it's a that's a matrix thing. They just plug them in. <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a question to ask a DJ from the Last Jedi, since he was selling both the, the Tie Fighters and and the X Wings. He would know if they have like a universal like flight system in in both. There's a character I'd like to see a show on. Give me the DJ backstory. Give me his <laughs> spinoff. Um, <laughs> I think the only other um, scene that I I really liked was the final scene with Luthen. And again, we saw yes. this in the last episode. The Easter eggs in the background just make me want to pause and look through and just kind of scrub because seeing the Sith holocron in the background, seeing the Jedi holocron and the, what looks like star killers armor, like all of those little Easter eggs. And they don't even mention them in the show, but it's like, just, these are for the fans and I'm mm-hmm. loving everything and, and just discovering new stuff. I, I try to watch these episodes twice. Um, and, the second time I'm always picking up stuff that I missed on the first one. Uh, like mm-hmm. there's a Gungan shield and there's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that just, it rewards you for being a star Wars fan. But if you're not, let's say if you're just watching it just to watch a good show, it's just in the background. Like it doesn't affect the story at all. So I'm really, I liked that just seeing the stuff in the background. That's just one thing that, that I'm really liking about this show. I like how this goes back to the like just the Lucasfilm Easter eggs too, because uh, like you oh, said right, with right. like the like Indy's whip in the last episode, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. I think the fertility idol was in Carbonite in the last episode too. I know it was yes, in, yes, yes. I know that uh, Paul Bettany was selling it or had it in uh, Solo, but mm-hmm. the 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 stones from Temple of Doom were on. Uh, booth and shelf in this episode <laughs> yeah so if you go back nice. you see those stones listed there i'm, I'm waiting for the the holy grail to, to show up Ooh, <laughs> you chose poorly <laughs> uh so far every up ep- every episode is like introduced something new to star wars like swear words cereal and the fact they use meters <laughs> to measure yeah, yeah, yeah. like brothels that, well, yeah, that's, that's just to show workers. that the U.S. should also be using the metric system by this point. If even a galaxy far, far <laughs> away was using it a long time ago, well, it's There's funny we don't because when you go to work on your car, everything's in meters. We yeah. have to fix it, and like everything, like comes in metric. It's just we're stubborn. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> absolutely. It's funny. It's funny to think about it that way. Like, cause I don't, I, I mean, when they're teaching you this stuff in school, I'm never thinking ever that I'm going to use it anyway. Now yeah. like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, when am I going to use this? And when am I going to use, when am I going to use the metric system? When am I going to use like even just Fahrenheit and Celsius? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that one bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> Zero Celsius is 32 Fahrenheit, but it's not a direct 32 relationship all the way around. Yeah. Like, so, but yeah, it's then there's uh, Kelvin Star Wars, <laughs> just being subliminal again, <laughs> sending us these messages. Learn the metrics. Caught my ear. I was like, "There's meters." It's like you couldn't come up with some fancy word to to confuse us all. You just pick meters. It does confuse Americans, though. Meters. (laughs) True. Very much. And I guess on that was any last final words from you all before we close this out, Factor. I just want to see the next episode because, like I said, it seems like it's going to be the payoff episode. So there's going to be some. There better be a big action scene like there was in episode three. Yeah, it seems like they're adhering to each episode as one act of a three-act structure kind of thing. Yeah. And Maybe they'll blow your mind with the third one and go different. They'll th- swerve. Third episode's oh, the first no. act again. <laughs> no! <laughs> how, about, how about you, Mike? Any last final words of the episode? I just... Um, production design quip... Um, the fact they use that orange horned melon as a space fruit and so much sci-fi just makes me laugh. <laughs> so on Cyril's table, he's got cocoa puffs and a horned melon and it's supposed yeah, to be yeah. futuristic. It's like a jackfruit or something. Yeah. <laughs> Side note to this, at the same time in the Rebels TV show, Ezra and Zeb are stealing a fruit during this episode, basically. <laughs> so there's that. And then and the at- fact that... Uh, What's his face's tree milk tasted awful. Not the blue he wanted the blue milk, Cassian did. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want blue milk? Exactly. Give me all the blue milk. When you want the green <laughs> milk instead. No. I think green would be bad. I'm glad they chose blue. Green would just remind me of like mold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You'd be like, that's moldy milk. That's gross. <laughs> don't don't do that. Uh, I I for for me, uh I'm I'm happy. Um, like I'm excited for the next episode, and I think in any series, that's all you can ask for is to be looking forward to the next episode. Yep. Um, and I, I, I think that episodes, this next episode, we will get a good payoff. For oh this yeah. Specific, I, it just, I mean, you can't put a, a, you can't put it off anymore at this point with the, with what's going on. They're moments away uh, when that episode ended, and we're moments away from everything happening. So. I am looking forward to seeing uh, exactly how this all pans out, this three-episode arc. Oh, yeah. Definitely. For sure. I, yes. I would agree with the the- eyes coming, something big's coming. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely agree with the sentiment of all three of you, as well as uh, to leave it with Cyril's uh, obsession with Cassian as he looked at him on his hologram again. Mm-hmm. Um, but Something, for- yeah, Something's brooding there. Yeah. Don't know yet. But yeah, uh, so that's going to do it for our review of episode 5 of Andor and for episode 25 of The Holy Maneuver. Uh, If you guys want to, you can leave us a review on the podcast catcher of your choice, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. lets you leave a review. Please do so. It helps us out a lot. And then uh, 
in our show notes, both on YouTube and any of those podcatchers, uh, you'll find all the appropriate links to find us on social media, like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and here on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, you'll also find our individual info there for myself and Mike. And then for our guest, Vactor, where can they find you? My last name, V-A-C-T-O-R, is most places that you'll find me, as well as the Comic Book Kaiju podcast, where I'm talking about comics, and this week we're talking about She-Hulk, and also uh, Werewolf by Night. Oh, yeah. Nice. I want to get Adam on your show at one point. Yeah, uh, you can find me. Uh, I'm not a huge poster, but uh, Instagram uh, is the only place you can find me. Uh, Adam Daniel Danny on there. Uh, it's a play off my email, which is silly. Um, but uh, I do want to quickly plug my uh, um, uh, production company, Issue One Productions. Uh, there is a little. Uh, if you go to my bio in on my Instagram, you can get to Issue One Productions. Uh, we're about to produce our fourth horror short of the year. Uh, and then we will be releasing all of our shorts throughout this month. So you can ch- take a look. Uh, it is horror month, horror season. Um, so if you want, if you're interested in horror, absolutely check out our issue one productions page on Instagram. And then we'll be putting those on YouTube, uh, issue one productions as well on YouTube. Um, but there'll be, there's links for everything. If you find me, you yeah. can get to it <laughs> by making find several you. left and right turns. I'll put it in our show notes. So if you're listening to this or watching this, just scroll down, click there. That's where that's where you can find that. Too much. It's too much effort. Yeah. Just be careful scrolling. I mean, like, sadly, <laughs> that, meters, that probably is too much effort for some people nowadays. <laughs> you mean I have to move my finger? <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can also email us at holdapod at gmail.com if you'd like to as well. But... As always, we are grateful to George Lucas for creating the Star Wars universe. Not doing it this week. Thank the maker.